Hey guys, it's good to see you all um, and those online. Hello. Um, I thought we might have sort of five or six people if we got lucky with the with the snow and disease. Oh, thank you, Luke. Listen to me now. Wow. Um, so um, it has been a while. Um, I've missed the last two weeks, and it's horrible. Bless you. Bless you again. <laughs> um, it, it really is horrible missing church. Um, I mean, God's everywhere, and we can pray wherever we are, but there's something so amazing about being together and worshiping together, and He just responds so much when we gather together. Um, so, if it means anything, I'm, I missed all of you. Um, anyone here for the first time tonight? Any first timers? Okay. Well, hopefully, um, hopefully you've all um, been a part of the series. Dawn, do we have a slide that's going up? Giselle does all this hard work for us, and we want to make sure we appreciate their slides. Um, so this is a bit like last semester, guys. I don't know how long we're going to dwell in this series, but we're just, we're just going to keep going until he says otherwise. Okay? And as, as Luke reminded us last week, and thanks again to Luke for preaching in my absence, um, I told him he could have two sermons, and now he needs three, because he still hasn't finished. Um, but he did a great job. Um, but as Luke was saying, you know, we, we're, trying to, we're trying to do two things at the same time here, because although they may seem different, they're actually really intimately connected. That um, kingdom life is about activation. It's about the fact that God's Spirit lives in each one of us, and He wants to work through us and to see His kingdom come through us. Um, he wants... That's to be a blessing to all those who live with us in our communities. Um, and not by our own strength, but by His Spirit. Um, but all of this, all of that activation has to be rooted in abiding. It has to be rooted in, in knowing Jesus. So that the activation and the, and the operating in His Spirit and under His direction becomes absolutely second nature. Um, so that's why we're doing these, these two things. So I will maybe sometimes talk on activation. Um, we might you know, do, do some sermons on tongues and things like that that I enjoy doing. Um, but I'm going to keep bringing us back to abiding. And um, the reason I say I don't know how long this is going to take is because I sat down to, to write this sermon. And I wrote up like nine pages before I even really tried and God is like, okay, that's sermon two, that's sermon three, that's sermon four. Um, there's just so, there's so much here. Um, but also, I just felt the Lord saying, like when last semester when we preached on living water, that he is just saying, take this slowly. Take it slowly. And, and consume my word and live the ideas. Believe them until they're real. Um, so, if um, today's sermon, we'll call it abiding and just to believe. Okay, to believe. And I will, will repeat some of the things I, I spoke about three weeks ago, um, I'm sure. Um, so, forgive me for that. Um, but hopefully, that, that'll just be a refresher. Um, before I go any further, I do want to thank those who supported me in growing my beard. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I got COVID, and so I had an extra week to grow it because my wife came back and I couldn't kiss her. Um, but embarrassingly um, and unhelpfully, 
when I tried to kiss her when COVID was finished, she just shrieked <laughs> and said, ew, it's like kissing another man, which obviously I can't argue with that, you know, and um, so, so I shaved and then, you know, I walk out to the bathroom and the first thing Joseph says to me is like, oh, dad, you look so much better before. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that was encouraging. Um, but then Grace said, at least you look a bit younger, Dad, because my beard was going really gray. So I don't know. I just I felt more intelligent having a beard. I don't know. I felt like I had more wisdom or something. Every time I looked at the mirror, it was weird. But it's done. So next time Kath goes away for a few weeks, I'll try again. Um, so guys, let's, let's read uh, John 15 again. Um, as with the Samaritan woman, we, we're going to keep reading the scripture. I'm going to read the first uh, nine verses. Sorry, 10 verses today. John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So again, there's so much here. Um, in the next few times I preach, I'm going I'm to be talking about surrender, and I'm going to be talking about pruning, which is when it gets a bit more icky for us, um, but so important. Um, but I really felt the Lord saying, focus on the beginning, focus on believing, focus on the promise tonight. Focus on the promise. Because as, as I said last time I preached, you know, I can tell you, go and abide, and you'll all kind of shake, and you'll nod your heads around, and you'll say, yeah, cool, I'll abide. It's easy. Who wouldn't abide? Um, but it's, it's, a, it's apparent to me that there's so much here that I'm not yet doing, that it can't be as simple as dismissing it like that. And, you know, the... Um, This, this topic has really been, been wrecking me, and that's, I guess, been God's theme recently when he's asked me to preach on something. It's been, it's been really emotionally difficult um, and powerful. And not because I've, I feel judged or anything like that, but I, it's like he, he's, he's offering these promises, and I want them with this yearning. And I'll, I'll say a bit more about that at the end. So, you know, you know, we look at the scripture and, 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 and clearly a part of abiding is, 
is to produce fruit for the Father. And again, we're going to talk about that. And the fruit is that activation is part of that. You know, we're going, we're in our activation, operating the gifts of the Spirit. But we abide in Jesus in order to, to know Him, in order to have intimacy with Him, in order to have His life flowing through us. Because the, the analogy that Jesus uses is obviously not an accident. This analogy of the branch and the vine that we are grafted. Now, just because of time, I'm not going to go into it, but there, there are Old Testament references, particularly, uh, and there's a really nice one in Isaiah, where God talks about Israel as a vine, the vine that he cares for, that he will protect and he will nurture and he will water. And it's a beautiful, beautiful scripture. And now Jesus is saying that we will be grafted in. We are Gentiles, we are not Jews, we are not of God's house, but this is the new family that he's making, the new vine that he's making, and we're going to be grafted in. And when the, when the branch is grafted into the vine, it becomes one with the vine, and its source of life is the vine. Its nourishment is from the vine. And this is why we abide, that we become one with Jesus. Remember in John 17, so two chapters later, Jesus makes you know, probably my favorite promise of all in Scripture where he says that you will be one with me and the Father. That we will come, we make a home in you, and you'll be one with us. This promise of unity with him. In John 5 and in John 8, Jesus talks about abiding um, before we get to this one in John 15. And it, it's slightly different um, and I'll just, I'll read those to you, just this, uh, a short section from each. Um, both are actually in the context of a, of a reprimand. In John 5, 37, Jesus says, And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me, that you may have life. And I know that Jesus is speaking this to the Pharisees. He's speaking to those who don't accept him. But there's still a lesson for us in the church, that we can have the word of God, we can have the holy scriptures, these things that point to Jesus, and we can still keep him at a distance. Now, we don't actually come to him for life, for that actual direct contact of life being grafted into him. In John 8, um, reading from verse 31, it says this, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And remember, these are Jews who believed in Jesus. And Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. In these promises of abiding, Jesus talks about abiding in his word. And he promises life. And he promises sonship. And he promises a dwelling with the Father. And these are, an amazing, these are amazing promises. Um, and he talks about abiding in love in John 15. But in John 15, he goes a little bit deeper because he doesn't say abide in my word. He says abide in me. 
Abide in me. I am, I am a person. I am the Son of God. Abide in me. Have a relationship with me. And this, this promise, this call, it's so profound. It's so profound. As I've... Um, as I've been reading this, as I said, it's been, it's been wrecking me a bit, and, and, I've, and I found myself um, every day just weeping. And, and, it's, a, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a, such a weird thing, because I'm not crying. I don't feel bad. Um, it's, the, it's, it's the weirdest sense. The closest I can describe it, you know, I'm, when David talks in the Psalms about you know, deep calling unto deep, it's like there's this depth of the Spirit and this depth of reality in Jesus, which as I'm thinking about it and reading it and the Holy Spirit's talking to me, it's like, like my spirit, the depths of my soul is saying, yes, I, this, I want this, this promise. And I, I'm going to quote Andrew Murray once or twice today. I, I've been reading his book, and it's, it's been amazing. Um, and he, has this, he says, To abide is to end a divided life. To abide is to end a divided life. And, and a, when he means divided life, he's talking about, where, as Christians, where we come to church on Sundays and we give God a little bit of time, or we remember him occasionally in the day, but our lives are divided, our attention is divided. We have our secular life we have our, and, our, and our holy life. And a true abiding brings these things together, and there is no separation. There is no division in our lives anymore. He is in all things. In all things that we do. And so when we abide, we live with him and we live in him and we live through him. And we have his life flowing through us. And sometimes that's there to comfort us, sometimes it's there to guide us, sometimes it's there to empower us. But it's his life, much like that living water that we preached about and talked about so much last semester. But God's saying, will we believe? Will we believe? Um, and I'm just going to touch on two really basic, and these are really basic um, sort of concerns that we might have with abiding. They're sort of purely natural objections that we might have. And the first objection um, is busyness. Okay, that our lives are busy, that we're distracted, that we have to go to work. Matt's got two jobs, and he's a dad and a husband. You know, um, some of us in that position, some of us are studying and we have relationships and we're far from home and we have things that we're wrestling. Some of us have grandkids, you know. We, we have all these things that keep us busy and distracted. And when God's calling us to abide, um, He's not calling us to... Are we all right? Sorry, I'm not sure what that was. He's not calling us to be monks. Uh, no, nothing against monks, okay. <laughs> um... Great things have come from the men and women who have committed their lives to God completely like that. But God is not calling all of us to be monks, to be separate from culture, to be separate from work. Those are the, everything that we're called into, you know, he, he has planned for our lives. He's called us into those things. It shouldn't be a surprise that he wants to be with us while we're doing them. And I love the analogy that, um, that as we start to 
as we start to, to abide and as we practice abiding, um, as, we, as we start to spend more time with God, as we start to say, yes, Lord, I want to abide in you. I want to know you more deeply. I want to have you in more of the things that I do. We'll start to, we'll start to remember a little bit more often to turn our attention to him during the day. Because it's that life and that nourishment and we need it. And so we'll be more likely to turn to it. But I like the analogy as, um, <laughs> that I read that uh, we, we can, if we think of a mother, whether she's at home or, or whether she's at work and she's got young children and she's busy, whether she's cleaning the home or cooking or whether she's got her job and she's been efficient in that work, at no time, if you ask her, does she remember that she has kids, will she have forgotten? In fact, most of the time she's doing those things. They might be mundane, they might be hard, but she'll be doing them often driven by the love that she has for her children. Her children are a constant consciousness, even if she's not always conscious of them. The secret consciousness is what Andrew Murray calls it. The secret consciousness. Okay, that thing that's there. We may not always be aware of it, we may not always be in front of us, but it's there, that secret consciousness. And the more that we abide the more we'll feel it, the more we'll see it, and the more we'll turn our attention to it when we hear his voice. And I'll talk more about that when I talk about surrender. And we're going to get to more of the, more of the house, but today we just have to think about believing. So busyness doesn't have to get in the way. And the more that we abide, the easier that part gets. But the second, the second concern, and the, far, the bigger concern, is... Um, it's sin. Um, and again, I, I'm, I'm going to unpack sin more when I talk about surrender. Okay. Um, when, I, when I talked about um, obedience last semester, and we talked about surrendering to love, um, this, this idea, this truth, I believe, that Jesus calls us to love him first. He calls us to experience his love. We experience it in Him, and as we experience Him, obedience becomes far easier, becomes natural, because we are obeying the most wonderful person that we've ever met. And the same goes with abiding. Okay, we abide first. We abide first, and then the Father prunes us. Then the Father cuts off that which doesn't have life, that which doesn't bear fruit. When we read John 15, okay, we can't escape the fact that Jesus says that if we want to abide in him, we will obey his commandments. Okay, that's a reality. I'll talk about that when I talk about surrender. Okay, but what also is a reality is before he says that, he says, abide in my love. And when he's talking about being grafted to the disciples, about being grafted into the vine, he says, you are clean. My word has made you clean. You're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. You are clean. All right? He didn't say, go off and make yourself holy. And when you're a good little grafting, come along and my father will take care of you and maybe we'll accept you. Okay? Father doesn't ask us to stand at this vine, this amazing, beautiful, life-giving vine, and, and try and work out whether we are ready or whether we are holy enough to be grafted in. That's not part of his language. Right, his language is, I've made you clean. You are made holy because of me. And it's my Father that is going to graft you and not you. And too many of us spend our lives trying to graft ourselves in. If only I can become more holy, if only I can become more righteous. 
And I will, I will go after sin, guys. I will go after surrender. But it doesn't start there. Sorry, it doesn't start with, with holiness. It starts with abiding. So the truth is abiding is it doesn't require these sort of mighty feats of holiness at the beginning. You know, it requires a mighty feat of weakness and vulnerability and a willingness to say yes. And then the surrender flows from that. In 1 Corinthians um, 1, 30 and 31, uh, Paul writes this. And think about, think about the father as the husbandman, as the vine dresser. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. The Father is the one who unites us with Christ Jesus. And it's Christ Jesus that makes us holy and pure and clean. He is the one that gives us the right to be grafted into the vine. And if you read before that, um, it's really interesting that 1 Corinthians 1, it's, it's, it's an amazing passage um, where Paul criticizes the Jews because they want signs from heaven and he criticizes the Greeks because they want you know, this rational argument, this intellectual argument to be convinced. And Paul talks about those who are weak who will just say, yes, we believe. We are willing to believe. That is all we need. Paul doesn't say you have to be holy. Paul doesn't say you have to be righteous. Paul doesn't say you have to do A, B, or C. He just says, will you believe? Will you say yes? Because if we get this wrong, if we get this wrong, then, then we, 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 just, we fall into that trap, the religious spirit's favorite trap of making it about us of making access to, access to the Father about us. <clears throat> right, and let's not fall into that trap. Let's not fall into the trap of thinking that God's great promises are for the select few. Right, this is not the Old Testament. God's Spirit doesn't fall on five or six people, or seven or eight. His Spirit is for everyone. His Spirit is for everyone. His offer is for everyone. So abiding is not about a wrestle between sin and holiness, about whether you can get it right, whether I can get it right to be grafted. He has made us holy. This was his idea. This was his way of doing it. You don't have permission to make it something about you and your way of doing it. Okay. He doesn't give you that right. And the reality is, as I said, the reality is the more we do this, the more we abide, the more holiness will flow. It's just the natural 
output of being with Jesus. Jesus and sin don't go well together. Okay? <laughs> they just don't cooperate. Right, just a few more things here, guys. This is one of those sermons where I, you know, I want to say some things and hopefully there'll be some wisdom in it, but ultimately I just want to pray and see what God does. All right. So, um, two more things. Um, abiding. Um, it's supposed to be permanent. Okay, again, I'm stating the obvious. All right, but it's supposed to be permanent. Um, if you've ever grafted a tree, I'm, I'm not a good gardener. I've actually never grafted anything, except I have grafted a piece of bark to, to save a vine where the chickens had pecked it. And so I had to graft bark over the, over the hole and splice it in so that life could flow. And it's amazing. You just put in this other piece of wood from a different tree and the life flows through the wood. It's amazing. But the point of a graft is that when it takes, you don't think, well, that was a silly place to put it. I'm going to cut it off and put it somewhere else. You know? And the branch doesn't say to the vine, well, it's been fun. But I'm just going to go away for a little bit and I'll come back later. You know, it, a graft is supposed to be permanent. And I know I'm stating the obvious, but as we say yes to God, as, as we say yes to abiding, then we have to practice this on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, you know, whenever it is, but, but we practice abiding. We turn our attention to Him. We read Scripture. We worship Him. We thank Him for, anything, for something beautiful that we see. We bring Him into our problems, but we, we, we draw life from Him. We make our life rotate around Him. So the second, the last thing I want to say, and just to emphasize this, um, so I, I haven't done much grafting, but I, I, did, I did grow up in wine country. We moved first. So, sorry? We moved first. Because we made my love. If you're not receiving it because you didn't move first, God didn't draw near to you and he drew near to him. Right? So yeah. we move first, then he comes in. Make sense? Well, he invites us first. Yes. Yeah. Right yeah. Yeah. The invitation is there. So, when you, so I'm giving this sermon obviously as a pastor, not as a tailor professor. I'm going to talk about wine. I don't think we're too sketchy, but um, the amazing thing about wine, um, when you get, if you meet a, a, a wine connoisseur who can drink a wine and tell you where the wine's from. Um, so the wine that I like, uh, my favorite type of wine is, um, it's from Marlborough in New Zealand, which is a region. Okay, and they're Sauvignon Blanc grapes. So they're a type of grape which has a certain type of flavor, certain type of sweetness, makes a certain type of wine, Sauvignon Blanc. But the thing with Marlborough is it has a particular type of soil. In South Africa, where I come from, we have really good wines, but, I, but the Marlborough wines are amazing. Because you, when, you, when you take the glass, you smell fruit. It hits you in the face. And it's guavas and gooseberries and lychees and these amazing, amazing fragrances. And, and why is that? It's because the vine is in soil. It's rooted in soil and it draws life from the soil. And it, 
and that life flows into the branches. And then the, the fruit that's formed has the flavor of the soil in which the vine is located. It picks up the flavors that are in the soil. And it's incredible. And what's amazing to me is I, is I smell things that I haven't tasted in 25, 30 years because I don't live in a tropical country anymore. You know, I, I, don't, I can't remember when I lasted a guava, but that smell makes your senses come alive. And Jesus is the vine that, that is rooted in the soil of the kingdom. He's rooted in the soil of the kingdom. That's where we are drawing our life from. That is the life that can flavor us. Okay, it flavors us. So that when people are around us and people have, have to smell us, but they will, they will smell that fragrance of heaven. They'll smell the fragrance of heaven because that's where we're drawing our life. You can actually smell heaven. I just put that out there, but that's another sermon for another time. Okay. I am... Um, so I, I said um, that this has been wrecking me, and, and I was talking to Kath, and I was trying to put words, I was trying to put words on, on this, um, and, I, and I thoroughly um, recommend Andrew Murray's book on abiding. Um, it's a devotional and it's amazing. Get the old one. Don't get the new revamped version. Read it as he wrote it. It's awkward and the language is weird, but read it as he wrote it. There's a lot of these and things, you know. But I've, I've, been, I've been reading this book. And you, I'm, I'm fairly competitive like Matt. Um, and beat him occasionally, but not, not as much as I would like. But... We can have this temptation that we see someone, you know, like Bill Johnson or someone else, like a man or woman, Heidi Baker, who really operates in the gifts of the Spirit, and you have this kind of envy. And I guess that can be a good envy. I guess the Lord can use it. You know, you want, to, you want more of Him. It can be something that the Lord uses, but you know what it's like, Matt, don't you? Because you're competitive and you want to be the best at everything. And... Um, we can have this, like, this envy. I, I, I want more of the Lord. I want more of His fruits. I want to see more people healed. And, it's, and it, yeah, it feels a little bit icky when I feel it. Because I don't want to strive to be like someone else. I, I, I want to abide in God. And, and, um, and the, 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 the weirdest thing, reading this book, is, is, is I read and I, and I start to weep and, and, and I read some more and I start to weep and I, and I, was, and I was trying to explain it to Kath and I was saying it's, it's not envy I'm not envious of him um, there's something much deeper here it's that you, you read it and you know you know that he knows Jesus it, it's, it's like his spirit the spirit of the Lord is dripping off the pages that this man knows Jesus and the power of the Spirit in it and it, and it, and, and, and it draws something in me that I didn't even know was possible. Like intellectually, I guess I can think it's possible. But it's like my spirit is joined to this, the Spirit, the way that the Holy Spirit used to operate in, in, in Andrew. And what I love about Andrew Murray is he's a guy that most of the world forgot about because he was South African, and South Africans are evil, so no one read their work. And he lived in the 19th century, and he's in a rural parish. You know, he's no one. And yet his, he knew Jesus. He knew him. And I want to know him. I want to abide in him. And it's like this desire is coming from the inside out rather than the other way around. 
And every time I read it, I want to say, yes, Lord, yes. I want to abide. I want to be grafted into the vine. So will you pray with me? Um, let's pray. I'm going to ask Matt and Amanda just to see if there's anything else that we might want to pray through corporately. Um, and remember, um, remember, guys, you know, last time I preached, I talked about floating, <laughs> about letting God be in charge of the process. And for the Father is the vine dresser. He is the husbandman. He is the one that does the work. He's just wanting a yes. At this stage, he's just wanting a yes from us. And we say yes because we trust that the abiding is his will and it's his plan. And we let him be in charge. Before I pray, if you just want to close your eyes and listen, I want to read you just a paragraph from, from Andrew Murray's book, which is one of the sort of summary paragraphs. And he says to see Jesus. Try and picture Jesus in your mind. See Jesus as he speaks to you. Abide in me. Pointing upward and saying, My father is the husbandman. Of him you are in me. Through him you abide in me. And to him and to his glory shall be the fruit that you bear. And let your answer be, Amen, Lord. So be it. From eternity, Christ and I were ordained for each other. Inseparably, we belong to each other. It is God's will. I shall abide in Christ. It is of God. I am in Christ Jesus. Father, you are the vine dresser. And we thank you that you have called us, that you have called us your sons and your daughters, that you have welcomed us into your kingdom. Lord, that we are, we are grafted into the vine. Lord, maybe some of us sin and we fall short and we find ourselves looking at the vine separate, believing we are separate. Believing it's about us and forgetting it's about you. Lord, where, where we've believed the lie that sin has separated us and that your blood is not enough, forgive us. For your word tells us that nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing can separate us from you. So Lord, where, where there has been that loss of consciousness of abiding in you, the loss of that secret consciousness of your presence in us and your life flowing through us, restore us, Lord. Restore us. Lord Jesus, let us start to capture the immensity of this promise. Lord, that the same, the same love that drove you to the cross, the love that caused you to die for us, 
to the same love that says, abide in me. And the same power that raised you from the dead is the same power, Jesus, that grafts us into you. I ask Holy Spirit, I ask this week that in your mercy that you would speak to us. That you would bring the Father's will and the Father's words to us. That you would draw our attention, our attention to Jesus. And let us taste the life, the joy, the belonging, the identity that comes from being united with our Savior. Lord, I pray this week, let abiding become more and more of a reality to us. Not a theory or a theological idea, but a reality. So Lord Jesus, we say yes. Amen. So be it. We abide in you. We choose you. And when we fall short, Lord Jesus, forgive us. We choose you. Our spirits are united to you. We thank you for the incredible privilege, undeserved gift that you've given us. Father, we ask these things, we pray all these things in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.